Welcome to the Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Torrey. Let's get better together. The Culture Classroom is powered by Pro Quick Draw, which is a powerful plug-in that allows coaches to edit and organize playbooks, scout cards, and presentations efficiently through Microsoft Visio and PowerPoint. Listen to our sponsor as they outline how PQD works. ProQuickDraw is the Microsoft Playbook development system that is centered on increasing your efficiency in drawing plays, generating scouting reports, creating scout cards, and much more. We have the capabilities of drawing within PowerPoint and Visio. Coaches are currently using the programs as standalone drawing platforms or integrating them both within PQD. You can create your presentation using PowerPoint, but quickly add plays from your Visio library. Build your library of plays from scratch or by using the PQD folder system. Create your playbook by adding drawings from your library to a custom template to help organize your final playbook. Utilize our Visio stencils or PowerPoint shape library to help you draw your plays. Speed up the workflow by not having to copy and paste. PQD will resize your drawing based on the template that you have chosen. Embed video within your presentation to help create a digital playbook. We offer templates for handouts and presentations for staff, unit, or player meetings. Generate your practice script using our advanced button. Print this for your coaches or send digitally to your players before practice. You can even convert the handout to scout cards and flip the drawings. Save time during the week not having to draw cards. Draw that play once for the year and you have it moving forward. Connect your library to a cloud service or the school network. When a coach updates a drawing, simply click the Refresh All Plays button to update the document. We believe we have the tools that can help you become a better coach. Download a free 30-day trial and change the way you work. Well, joining us in the classroom today is Sam Williams. Sam uh, is a former Mississippi State wide receiver, Northwest Rankin alum, uh, was recently at Pelahatchee and then had a stand at Ridgeland High School where he took him to the state semifinals. Now he's back home being a Brandon native at Brandon High School. And uh, man, he is one of the top young coaches in the region, in my opinion. Uh, 29 years old, uh, a Sean McVay, if you will, of high school football. Yeah, John, I appreciate you having me today. Yeah, it's, you know, when we get coaches in this in this uh, classroom, we talk about three things uh, for them, and, and we, we talk with you about your story, we talk about the success and what success looks like in your program, and then the last thing we talk about your signature. So as we get started, um, your journey is, is one like a lot of them, of us. We played college ball and we got into coaching. Uh, can you go into, just summarize your coaching journey and, and why you got into athletics and made that a career? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's kind of important to, to start off with me. You know, I was, uh, had a, just like a lot of people, I had a lot of great influences growing up uh, from my dad who coached me in, you know, Little League and doing all that. He was a minor league baseball player uh, for the Angels, so he always thought I was going to be a baseball guy, but ended up uh, kind of falling in love with, with football in high school and uh, a lot of people know David Coates and uh, there was the, there was a long time coach in Northwest Ringing High School tragically passed away uh, pretty young but 
he was a really big influence on me uh, as I was coming up. Always, you know, I, I didn't even really when I was playing in middle school, I was like a kicker and a backup quarterback and just kind of went out to football just because I was really a soccer player growing up. And uh, he was the one that kind of got me out there and got me to love the game of football. Um, but, you know, kind of kind of fast forward to, to you know, playing at Mississippi State, uh, playing for some obviously some phenomenal guys, uh, Dan Bolin, uh, Matt Bayless, uh, had three wide receiver coaches that were all extremely successful, uh, not just as position coaches, but as head coaches. Uh, I just kind of got a unique perspective of football and kind of how the, the importance it was. And I saw what it did in my life. Uh, and I'd find myself daily, you know, like uh, when I was playing, I'd be the one that, you know, a new guy comes in and they get me to go in the film room with them and teach them. Uh, so I kind of started coaching accidentally, I guess I would say. You know, I, my, I, I have a fun, funny story about it was that I walked in one day, me and my, my wife got married pretty young. We were both 21 and I was, she thought I was going into PT school. I'd done my internship and gotten PT school and all that. And I walk in, I'm like, I've been volunteering with Jamie Mitchell at Starkville High School. I said, baby, I just think I want to coach football. And she kind of looks at me like, what in the coach football? And, uh, but the funny thing about it was, you know, looking, looking back now, I mean, we've, we've been extremely blessed uh, just along this journey. And, I mean, I can expand on that a little bit. But it's moved faster than I could ever imagine. You know, I was – I mean, I'm still the same guy today uh, as I was back then. And, uh, man, but it's, it's been an eight-year journey where I went from being a – you know, position coach at my old high school to, you know, being the head coach at, in my, in my opinion, the top football job in the state of Mississippi. Yeah. So you mentioned you weren't an assistant very long and you've been a head coach and you've been successful everywhere you've been. So let's start with Pelahatchee. You were super successful. You go to Ridgeland and you turn that around and in nine months, you turn it around. And then now you're at Brandon. What, what drives you? Cause and I think of this as a lot of times with coaches. Some people are assistants and some people are head coaches. And I don't see you – and just knowing your personality and knowing who you are, uh, I never saw, saw you starting out even as an assistant. What, what charges you or what drives you to be the man in charge? You know, I've just – I've always kind of had that, just even growing up, I've just kind of had that alpha personality and not necessarily like a loud, boisterous personality, but just always wanted to, everything to be on me. You know, from the time I was playing growing up, you know, I loved the, the big lights. I love for everything to, to fall on my shoulders. Uh, and, you know, even the first four years I was coaching, you know, I I took on as big a role as the head coaches would allow me to take uh, as I was growing through that. And I tell people a lot of times, you know, kind of one of those things I think now is everybody thinks that they need to be a head coach real quick. And, you know, I tell people a lot of times, you know, you, you can't train for what you have to do. You can't train for all that stuff. I said, but at the same time, you better make sure that when you're, when you're, when you're taking those steps along the way, don't rush. I didn't rush into this, you know, like when I got the Pilachi job, it was just, kind of one of those things I felt like it was a God thing I felt like it just happened for a reason uh you know I was extremely happy at Northwest Rankin um but but man you just you just prepare every single day uh you know that when you've got the mentality to lead people when you care about people deeply and you can get them to to buy into what you're doing uh you're going to be successful in anything but I you know I think that the thing is man I've just built so much so many relationships as a young guy uh, I, I show like I like I told you a minute ago. I show up and I'm the exact same day guy today as I was when I walked in the door. Northwest Rankin as an assistant. Um, so I'm the I'll be the first person to grab a broom whenever we get done with an away game and we're cleaning up the locker room. Uh, and I think that everybody around me kind of sees that 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 quote unquote servant leadership that, that everybody talks about. But uh, you know, I, I think that's huge for our listeners to hear. And obviously, coaches listen to this podcast. 
But a lot of times when, when you get the lead role, when you're the head coach, it's a lot of time easy to deflect that. But it says a lot with you, when, when you talk about servant leadership and, and sweep the shed, we can go to all those cliches, that you are in there with them doing the work. I mean, you even go into doing weights with the guys and challenging the kids that you coach today uh, of challenging them. Uh, so here, here's what I want to go to, and, and I think this is super important. It's the, my favorite segment that we go to. GameStrat is a company that specializes in sideline replay, giving coaches access to the most reliable and advanced sideline replay system on the market. With GameStrat, coaches can instantly make in-game adjustments and correct mistakes, improving their overall team performance. GameStrat sets up a private network, eliminating the need for internet or Wi-Fi at your stadium. This private network is optimized to eliminate any interference from outside sources, such as headsets, TV broadcasts, fans, and other networks. Everything can be set up within minutes, and all of the hardware comes pre-plugged in to make things as simple as possible. All you have to do is mount the GameStrat router, face it to your sidelines, and plug directly into your laptop. This will create the fastest video transfer and most reliable connection while making it as easy as possible to tag plays. Coaches can quickly find plays and filter with our advanced tagging system. At the end of the game, all of your video and breakdown data can be exported to any film exchange platform. Contact us today and find out for yourself why more coaches are switching to GameStrat. And it's success. And you've been a head coach at three different spots. You've played college ball. You've been an assistant. In your program, whether it be Pilahatchee, Ridgeland, and now at Brandon, what does success look like in your program? I think anytime you're running a program, you have to think about success kind of two tiers. You know, you have you have your present success and you have your future successes. And your present success kind of pertains to what are you doing for the people in your program currently. And for, for me, as, from a player perspective, you know, when you talk about your players, academically you want them to succeed. That's, a, that's really important. You know, uh, I kind of talked earlier about, you know, being a head coach and being prepared. Well, the one thing you do have to be prepared is you have to understand, you know, a lot of guys go into getting a head football job and they say, well, I can coach football so I can do this, but you have to understand that when you're, when you're coaching football as a head football coach, you're a leader of people and you're, you're, you're creating leaders of the future. And so academics is one of the first things we talk about. We talk about making kids successful in the classroom. Uh, we kind of have a deal we do where we're tracking stuff and making sure that we're showing kids progress uh, and making sure that you're hitting with them. Uh, and all that time, again, I, you'll hear me a lot go back to relationships. You're building relationships with kids when you show that you care about them beyond football. Um, the second thing about that is athletic success. You know, a lot of coaches, that's what you that's what you get into this for. You want to, you know, create monsters, for lack of a better term. You want them to be guys that, that can't be stopped. So that's the second thing. Then the final thing is what do you do for them off, off the field presently? And, uh, you know, social media is huge these days. Uh, I think that's something that a lot of people don't. I mean, we're we're, doing, we're we're recording on a social platform right now. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people don't understand that you have to to show these kids that what they have is a is a tool uh, that they need to learn to use, not necessarily a toy that they go out and play with every single day. So uh, you know that's kind of the thing present. And then long term, when you think about future success, you you have to understand that if if you're the guy 
whether it's a coach, whether you're in a coaching profession or whether you're in the professional world, if you're the guy that you just care about people when they're underneath you or you just care about people when they play for you, you're just not going to make it very far because eventually people are going to figure out, hey, this dude's just in it for himself. He don't really care about anybody else. And at the end of the day, man, if you don't care about people, uh, service industries like coaching, because that's what it is, you can't be in it. Uh, so future success is important to me. And that, that goes to, to really another three things. You think about, you know, what are they going to do with their family one day? Uh, you know, what do you per- portray as a coach? What do you per- portray as a leader? Uh, do you do you do you bring your family around? Do you love your family the same way that you're telling them that they need to love their brothers? Um, and they have to see that. Secondly, you have to prepare them professionally. I mean, a lot of the things that we talk about now, it's talking about success. But that's why I think, you know, football, What I think I love football so much is there's so many things, you know, in the weight room. There's so many things on a field when you're running in 120 degree heat on the turf that translate to hard times in life, that translate to the professional world when things don't go your way. And you just have to make sure that, that all those are aligning all those are going in and, and can you take that present success that you have today and can you pour, uh, can you parlay it into future success, which finally leads to creating leaders in our profession and in other professions, which is what, if you're, if you're a great leader, then you should be creating leaders that you see uh, years down the road. And for me as a 29 year old guy, I hadn't gotten to that point, but I look forward to that time when I can see some guys that have coached under me, that have played under me, go on and do great things in, in different professions. Yeah. I'm starting my 15th year. Uh, or 16th, whoo, uh, being 40. So it's, it gets up there. So um, what I love what you said is you never really mentioned anything about a scoreboard. And I think so many times in our profession, the scoreboard is how we define success. Uh, to hear you say that the scoreboard uh, and what we say a lot of times in the classroom is uh, surrender the outcome. Don't worry about what the scoreboard is. If you take care of what you just said, uh, the byproduct is going to be winning. But yeah. uh, about being, and, I, and I saw I saw something cool about that the other day. I saw on Twitter, and you probably saw this too. Brian Kite tweeted out, and he said, "We spend ninety nine percent of our lives working to perform for one percent of it." And I think that's kind of you know, success is kind of like that, man. A lot of successes are unseen. You know, I mean, a lot of success is building on things. And I I told my kids about that the other day, and I think it kind of clicked with them. As I told them it kind of clicked with me. You know, when you when you work and when you're perfect for 99% of your life or you're striving for perfection, that 1% is really easy for you when you have to go out and perform, when you have to do things at, at the highest level. Right. So you've been, you've been successful. Uh, to our listeners, you have been successful. I mean, playing SEC football is a big accomplishment. Uh, taking roles as a head coach, even the roles that you've had as an assistant coach, you, you took on, hey, I can do more, give me more, let me help. Uh, what is the biggest thing that you have learned about yourself as a leader to this point? You know, that's, that's a, that's a hard question. I think the, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is how much, how much more I can, how much farther I have to go. You know, being a young guy, I think every year I learn something new, you know, I've got a, a, a football program that I have a man program manual. And I think I change it every year because I find something that I didn't know about or that I, I didn't think I did a very good job of. Uh, but I think I think one thing about me is when you you know, for lack there of a better term, when you le- reach the pinnacle of profession, a lot of times guys stop working or they stop trying to improve. I think one thing about me right now is I'm just trying to get better every year. Um, you know, I, I feel like we've you know we have had some some, some success, but I think success is uh, can you sustain that over time? You know, just you don't want to be a guy that's just a flash fan or that just has a few successes. I mean. I want to be successful over a period of time and I want all the people around me to feel that way. So uh, everything that I do every single day is just trying to work to, you know, 
basically, for lack of a better term, fill in the cracks uh, uh, in my game uh, and try to get better uh, and be the best Sam Williams that I can be for the people that I'm leading. Right. So I asked you about what you learned about yourself. What's your biggest accomplishment you've had uh, as a coach, as a leader, maybe it was a player at Mississippi State? What's one of your biggest accomplishments? Or maybe there's two that you've had and uh, twofold. What are you looking for uh, to building at Brandon? Um, well, I'll start off with probably one of my and people who know uh, that I'm, I'm going to use a kid as my biggest accomplishment. That's kind of a, a funny thing, but I, I talk to him still a lot to this day. Uh, and it's kind of a fun thing for me to, to think about where he was and where he could have gone and what he's become. Um, I had a kid when I got to Pelahatchee named Ahmad Johnson. Uh, some of, some people know him as a phenomenal football player, and he was. I think he rushed for 2,600 yards that last year that we had him. Um, and was the, you know, Metro player of the year. And so kind of talking about, you know, to the same thing we're talking about, people think about success where you see that end product, but you didn't see what was happening before. Um, and Ahmad was a kid that had a lot of struggles, uh, had some things that we had to deal with just on a day-to-day basis mentally. Um, and all he really needed at the end of the day is he needed that one guy that would get in his hip pocket every single day and pull him along. And, uh, and man, for three hard years, we fought and we argued and we, we pulled each other. Um, but man, Ahmad is now at Louisiana Lafayette, uh, playing linebacker for them. He sent me a video yesterday of him squatting 675 pounds, um, and just an absolute physical specimen. Uh, but man, that watching him from the minute I got there and people telling me what he wasn't going to be able to do, that he couldn't make it, that he wasn't, and he got there and he's there. And he's successful, and he's he's. I mean, he's got accolades in the classroom. He's gonna he's gonna be a phenomenal football player. Um, but probably one of that that is probably my favorite thing that has happened as a coach was seeing his growth from the time he was a sophomore until the time I saw him sign with Louisiana Lafayette at the end of the day, and it was freaking awesome. Yeah, that's so, fantastic. Uh, you know, we have a lot of times we those stories play more of a role than any championship, than any district win. Uh, so for us, you know, Nick Winkler out of Clintonville and in Wisconsin has this thing called four for 40 and it, we have four years to impact the next 40. And you were, you were doing that uh, with the kids that you coach and you mentor and you build. Uh, so, and you're, you've talked about relationships a lot. And I know, and I heard your interview when, when you got the head job at Brandon about how kids know that you're coaches and you love them. You love those kids. So, my question to you is how do you build and cultivate those relationships where head coach to assistants and then you get your assistants on board to to love on the players. I think that's that's the hard part with being in charge. Like you know how you want to love your players. And that's easy. Uh, even with me being a wide receiver coach, I, I know how I'm going to love my wide receiver group. But then the hard part I think is getting the assistants to, to buy into what you're – you're supposed to be doing. So it's like a three-tier action, you know, as head coach assistants, you know, you're 20 square feet, if you will, if we're talking about BK and Brian Kite. Yeah. Um, so how how do you build relationships within your team from head coach to assistants, getting that across to them, and then having your assistants and you portray to the players and then even players to players about building relationships? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit on it pretty good right there as far as the trickle-down effects, you know, and I think that, as a leader of an organization or of a team, you have to really understand uh, where it starts, and it starts with you. 
And I think one thing about me is, man, I'm just a genuine guy. And I, 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 I genuinely will tell people when I mess up, I'll tell them when I don't do a very good job doing what I'm telling them I'm going to do. I'm telling them I'm going to love them. I'm telling them I'm going to make the right decisions. And I'm the kind of guy that if I screw up with that, I'm going to tell them. Uh, so I think, I think being transparent, being genuine at the top is, is kind of how you build relationships and how you build love. You know, you can't walk in the first day and tell a kid, you know, I, I, sometimes it kills me. You know, you see guys that walk in the first thing they do is say, I love you. Well, you don't love them yet because you don't even have a relationship with them yet. You, you know, you love the concept of that, but you don't love them yet. So I think kids kind of see that, you know, I, I work really hard, like I said, on the, the full athlete. They know that it's not just about, hey, we're going to go out to football and practice for 20 periods. I'm going to love you during that. And I'm going to love you on Friday night for four quarters because we're playing football again and I need you to perform for us to win. It's not really about that. At the end of the day, you know, you said it earlier, man. We win in, in the programs that I coach in because it's not about winning. It's about the relationships that get you to winning. And I, I said the reason that we were so special last year originally was, and the, every one of the kids that I talked with at the end of the year when we did our post-interviews, they said, I said, what is the biggest thing that was different this year to last year? I asked the same question all the time. I said, what's the biggest difference in this year to last year, even if I've been there two years? And the resounding, the resounding answer this year was, Coach, we could tell that y'all cared about each other and that y'all were on the same page. And so it was really easy for us to buy into what every single coach on staff was saying. So when you, when you develop relationships with your staff, when you go out to eat with them, when you talk about stuff not relating to football, when, you, when you're concerned about the things that are going on in their family, when you're asking about their kids, when you're asking about their family, and you genuinely care, it can't be a fake thing, you genuinely care, that's when, that's when your staff buys in, and that's when your kids can start seeing that, and that's when it's a trickle-down effect, and you have elite levels of performance that, are, that is built on relationships that is taken to the next level by right. talent. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, the relationship piece, I think, is huge. We model that. Like, you, you bring your kids around. Assistant coaches bring their kids around. They interact with your players. I mean, that's, that's huge in how that goes. Um, the last part I want to get into, Sam, is uh, it's what's called your signature. Hey, everyone. John Weaver. Want to borrow you for about 20 seconds and let you know there are three ways that you can help build the culture classroom. One, it's as easy as subscribing to the show on SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, or Spotify. The second way is you can leave a rating or review, and that will help us produce better podcasts for you, our listeners. And lastly, follow us on Twitter at CultureClass19. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. And we go back to John Gordon, and you're a leader, so you know exactly who John Gordon is. Um, we talk about our caring trademark. So for our listeners, what makes you different from any other leader in the country? You know, I, I think what I think what makes me different is just it's just the fact that I I genuinely care just as much about the people, and I, I know that I've given a lot of relationship answers, but it's just it is. But I genuinely care just as much about the kid that I've just met that I'm going to interact with one time as the one that I know can can go out and win me a game on a Friday night. You know what I mean? And I think you know, there's that old saying that I that I love is like the greatest the greatest test of a man. I don't even know the exact quote. I'm gonna butcher it, but it's essentially paraphrasing. The greatest test of a man is what he does for someone who can do absolutely nothing for him. And I think that's kind of a motto for me. You know, I I really try to do that. I try each and every day when I go to work, whether it's 
people I'm interacting with in the community, whether it's somebody I'm interacting with in the school, it's just a normal student or whether it's a football player that can do something for me. I try to teach them exactly the same way. And I try to treat them exactly the same way. And so I think that's kind of my trademark, man. It's just, it's just that I, I, I truly hope that the way that I carry myself, the way I interact with people, will truly be a, cha- a change in the society that we deal with today. You know, it's a it's a broken place. It's a place where there's a lot of opinions, a lot of things that uh, that aren't very good. And I hope that I'm I'm one of those people that can that can change it and, and help produce people that change it in the future. So that's a better world for my kids. Because uh, right now we get we get we got a lot we need to work on for when our kids get older and they're having to go through the same stuff we are now. Absolutely, well said. Um, I want to leave you with this, and you're 29, so you got a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> but when you hang up the whistle the last time, when it's the last game that you coach, when it's the last team that you coach, when it's your final time to retire and you walk away from it, what legacy do you want to leave after coaching? You know, I, you know, the one thing when you think about legacy, legacy is something that lasts a really long time. And I hope that everything that I've talked about today, I hope that people will say that I truly live that, you know what I mean? Because it's something that I have a deep conviction about in my heart. And I hope that, you know, the people that I came in contact with know that I truly loved them. Uh, I hope that my kids, you know, one of the things you hear coaches all the time is you spend all this time with your players and kids forget about, you know, you kind of neglect your kids a little bit. You're not around them as much as you should. I hope I can balance that and keep my kids and let them know that I love and care about them and everything that they do as well. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, I think that all of that will culminate in, you know, wins and championships. I ain't ain't won a championship yet. I ain't won a state championship yet. I hope that one day that comes uh, through all this and I hope it comes through doing it the right way. So... Uh, if, if I can produce just one guy that, that comes into this profession that I think so great uh, and leaves a lasting legacy that'll go beyond me and maybe he'll say, just like I, I feel about David Coates, maybe he'll say, hey, Sam Williams was my head football coach when I was in high school and he was the reason I got into this profession and he carries on the same legacy. That, that'll mean a lot more to me than the championships if they never come. That's fantastic. Sam, uh, thank you for joining us in the classroom today uh, of sharing your story what success looks like in your program, and, and finally what your signature is and the legacy you want to leave uh, when your coaching years uh, are over. Best of luck to you and your team, and uh, that'll do it for today's classroom. That's been Sam Williams, head football coach and athletic director at Brandon High School.